0: This is Transistor.fm.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Product People podcast. I have another interview for you with Adam Wavin, and uh, that was a part of a live video I did, and that's coming in just a bit. But first... I haven't had a chance to tell all you Product People listeners that the new marketing for developers is out. You can go to megamaker.co slash coupon and get $50 off. Uh, And that's just an offer for podcast listeners. The other offer codes are all gone. So if you're interested, go check it out or go to devmarketing.xyz. All right, let's get into this interview. All right. So I, uh, I texted out, um, you know, going to chat with Adam this morning. And the first text I get back was, oh, Adam, I love that guy. So <laughs> you got a good reputation. And part of what I think what we'll talk about today is how did you build this reputation? Um, let's, uh, let's start, like, what were you, right now, you're full-time products, right? Yep. What were you doing before this?
0: So before this, I was working as a software developer uh, for a company called Titan based out of Chicago. Uh, just they do like client services, consulting stuff. So building web apps for clients. Um, so I was doing that for about a year and a half. And before that, I was working in a, another that's local. And those I had one job in between there for another local consultancy that only lasted a couple months because it turned out not being a good fit. And I was looking for something else real fast. Yeah, uh, but. Yeah, those are the actually only two real software development jobs I've ever had. Okay. So I started working full time as a developer in 2013 after getting into college. And uh, before that, I was doing a bunch of other random stuff. I was I ran a recording studio out of my house for a couple of years recording bands for a living, which didn't really work out because bands don't have money. <laughs> and I worked in the oil sands in northern Alberta for a couple of years. No uh, way. Yeah. So um, all sorts of different stuff. But yeah. Hold on. Some people say your
1: audio is a little bit low. Can you just crank yeah. up your volumes on your side? We're sure. gonna get it loud for Aaron M14. This
0: should be Oh
1: yeah. Oh wow, here we go.
0: All right, cool. Um, Hopefully it might clip, but it should be okay.
1: No, you sound great. Um so wow, so you were in you were in the oil sand. Were you always a developer?
0: Uh, I've been a doing programming in some capacity for like as long as I can remember I remember the very first thing I ever did was um I can't remember which one's first but the one that comes to mind first is when I was a kid I was like so obsessed with pro wrestling it was like my favorite thing in the world okay yeah And I I was always looking online when I was like nine or ten years old trying to find like um was these wrestling simulators you could download where you could like make people wrestle each other and create wrestlers and it was all text-based and stuff
1: what 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 era are we talking about are we talking hulk hogan and andre the giant uh, or later this
0: would would have been like wwf attitude era like stone cold steve austin's like prime okay um so (laughs) uh, yeah so uh, I remember stumbling on, like, a tutorial when I was, like, searching for this stuff that was, like, build your own wrestling simulator. And it was, like, teaching you how to do it in Q Basic. Yeah. And I got all that stuff kind of up and running on my parents' computer. And I never had so much fun, like, just trying to make the computer <laughs> do stuff. And then I got into, like, making little websites and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah. So, um, but doing it for basically as long as I can remember. And then I kind of got back into it. I went to university for a year doing computer science and uh, dropped out because – I was too preoccupied being in a band and trying to be cool and do all this other stuff. Wow. And,
1: what uh, What kind of music so, were you into?
0: I, heavy metal, hardcore really? stuff. So,
1: okay. So, yeah, yeah. Well, we got to have a little heavy metal diversion here. What, <laughs> I, whenever I talk to people about heavy metal, I say, saying you like heavy metal is like saying you, you're from the planet Earth.
2: Totally. Like, <laughs>
1: you, you can be from totally different countries. So what country are you from in terms of heavy metal?
0: I would say, like, my all-time favorite band is Slayer. Okay. Um, and that's probably, like, the tamest thing I listen to. So everything after that is, like, more extreme. Like, uh, I really like bands like Rotten Sound, which is, like, you know, a European grindcore band, or, like, Napalm Death, or Exhumed, or, <laughs> you know, lots of death metal and grind stuff. Um, so, yeah.
1: Nice. So we're, we're from a little bit – Slayer is a little bit of crossover, but I, I came to heavy metal late. And so I'm really into all the old stuff that I couldn't listen to when I was a kid. So I, was, I started literally like, it's like Rainbow and then, uh, you know, Ozzy and Black Sabbath and yep. Judas Priest. And currently, I think my favorite old metal band is still Maiden. And then all my new stuff is like, it's, it, you wouldn't like it at all. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> I, I really like this band called Battle Beast that is very like it's not hair metal, but it's it's like got some synth in it, and it's a female sure. singer. And but that's rad. The, the cool thing about metal is that literally, like, you can call all of these different genres different genres, but you can go to a metal show and there will be a bunch of different people that all like just the umbrella, and they can yeah. all hang out.
0: I, it's kind of funny, like I think it's probably like the most diverse genre of music I mean, I say that as like somebody who's into it, but I listen to a lot of metal bands that are you know you'd call them metal, but if you put one next to each other, like there's nothing in common between the two bands, you know yeah. what I mean like so yeah, totally yeah if you listen to like Iron Maiden and Rotten Sound, like they're not the same genre of music, but like it's totally everyone likes both, you know yeah. what I mean, like yeah, so yeah, okay, especially yeah, the old cool.
1: guys, okay, yeah. so you were playing music, and yeah. you wanted to. But were you still programming during that time?
0: No. So after I left university, um, I was just kind of burnt out on programming uh, and just was doing uh, the music stuff. Why
1: were you burnt out on programming?
0: I think I just had like a bad experience uh, in university. I was like commuting and I didn't know anyone. So I just had a hard time like kind of making that like priority in my life and kind of like really like putting myself in that it was just something that i drove to every day and couldn't wait to leave to come back to my regular life uh, yeah. Uh, so i just couldn't get invested in it um and i think like i kind of conflated the fact that i wasn't enjoying university with like not enjoying programming and it's not that i wasn't enjoying programming it's just i was doing other stuff that was more fun for me at the time and taking up my time like uh playing music and recording bands and whatever so uh, yeah, after that, I was just kind of working just whatever, you know, bummy jobs I could find and uh, doing the music thing. And then I tried to start this recording studio. And then as part of that, I was finding that like the tool I was using, I uh, was missing a bunch of features that I wish it had.
2: Okay, yeah. And it,
0: and it was actually like a really, really hackable um audio engineering software called reaper it's made by the guy who originally made winamp okay yeah so you can like script in all different plugins and like write your own features for it and stuff and someone's kind of opened my eyes to that and i started like writing all these new features for it and stuff and i started remember realizing man i forgot how much i love programming like i was having more fun improving the software than i was recording bands yeah and then i was like you know what i should like Try the school thing again. So then I went to college instead because it's more practical and they had like a co-op program and stuff, so I could get work placement and get some experience. And I did that, and then you know been doing the software stuff ever since then. It's like a career. So
1: ever since, so that was two thousand thirteen that you.
0: Two thousand thirteen is when I I didn't even graduate honestly. It was a three year program. Uh, the way they had it set up is you do two years of school, and then they do like a full year of co-op, Okay. and then you go back for your third year. Yeah. yeah. So my only goal was to like be hireable right yeah so once I had the co-op experience the company I was doing a co-op with hired me right out of school or like while I was there for more than what most people graduating were going to get paid yeah so I have a mortgage and all this stuff too so I couldn't really afford to like not get paid again for another year and go back to school so just didn't go back and just kept working
1: just kept going so yeah so that was that
0: for three years and now I work for myself
1: yeah so three that was three years ago one thing that surprised me is like when I first heard about you um, and you know I was like oh, hey I, this you hear, found out about this guy named Adam and I was talking about with some friends about it and they're like man this guy really knows a lot about what he talks about on his blog it's like you're primarily PHP is that yeah, yeah so primarily PHP guy but they were just really impressed with your expertise so, is that something that you kind of purposefully cultivated? Is that something you just always understood? because in some ways, I go, well, three years is not a super long time to cultivate expertise yes, to be doing
0: it kind of full time. Uh, I don't know. I just I've always kind of been I'm like a, a really addicted to learning, so like when I get into something, I like consume everything that exists in the world about that topic until I feel like I understand it as good as anyone, yeah, um. Mm-hmm. So I can't really attribute it to anything other than just, like, never really, like, doing anything part-time. Like, anytime, like, I want to learn something, it's like I'm obsessed and I, like, won't stop until I feel like I... have you know, can explain it from first principles. You know what I mean? It's been the same with like everything I've ever been into. Like I used to play guitar like eight hours a day for like eight years. You know what I mean? I wouldn't stop. I got into like uh, weightlifting and powerlifting to the point where like I've won national powerlifting competitions after two years. Wow. Um, Just When I like get into something, like I just sink my teeth into it and I can't let it go. So
1: you got to go all in. Yeah. And so you're, you're okay. So you graduate, you start working and you're learning right away. Like you're into it. What about this idea of building an audience? Where did that start? Where did you start doing that?
0: I don't know if I ever really, like, did it super intentionally at first. I've always been, like, um, anytime I've gotten into, like, some new hobby or whatever, I've always found, like, online forums or whatever, and always been really active in participating in communities and talking to people, and, um, you know, I've basically developed, like, a fairly good reputation in almost any community that i've been involved in so even with that like reaper software you'll still see people like starting threads on that forum that have my name in it because they're talking about like adam Wathan's drum editing method or you know things like that so um it's the same with programming um for me twitter was like the perfect place to s- get involved in that that seems to be where like all the programming and discussions seem to happen yeah There's, i haven't really found like a good message board that i participated in or anything but yeah just like kind of trying to participate in conversations and um, you know, share anything that I I want to talk about. So blogging and stuff like that, but uh, for the longest time, never really intentionally like, Oh, I'm doing this because I want to build an audience or whatever, just kind of, you know, want to share what I know. And uh, I've all, like, honestly, I remember being like a little kid, like seven years old when we got like our computer, and, like, getting up early in the morning because I couldn't sleep because I was so excited to, like, go on the computer and try and write, like, walkthroughs for, like, Doom. You know, just, <laughs> like, write and just put it out because I, I loved just, like, creating things for other people to consume. So
1: Wow. So you've been practicing this a long time, this idea of um, learning something, wanting to get involved in the community, and then also wanting to, like, share what you've learned. Yeah. And I, I think that's a good... Um, just a good point, good thing for people to write down, is that these things just don't happen overnight. Like this is, uh, these are uh, habits and uh, skills that you've developed over time. Of okay, I can learn anything I want to because I'll jump right in. I'll find the community. I'll be involved in the community. I'll contribute to the community, and I'll share what I've learned. If you do that enough times, if you were, if you were doing walkthroughs of, of Doom. Uh, then, you know, you've been doing this a long time. It's And yeah. a lot of those skills kind of build up over time to the point where if you wanted to do a screencast on refactoring collections, you have that ability. You yeah. have some practice there.
0: Would you, would you say that's true? Yeah, I mean, like, a lot of it, too, is not like... Yeah, it's definitely like a, a skill, but I think it's also just comes down to... For some people, it's more natural than it is for other people, right? Like, for me, that's just like my natural way of being like, I just want to be loud, you know, and participate in things and have strong opinions about things and whatever. Uh, some people, you know, kind of keep to themselves and just observe. So maybe for those people, you gotta be a little bit more intentional about it. I'm more intentional about it now, now that I kind of know what like the real benefits are to me, like, uh, you know, in terms of helping develop my career and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. but it's still just something that I you know, really enjoy doing just for like, you know, the merit of the activity itself. So
1: yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and for for you, like you say, Twitter has been a huge thing for you. Yeah. Um, and that, what made you want to start blogging and podcasting? Like what was the the drive there? Was that just more like giving back to the community?
0: Yeah, the blogging, I, I didn't even really start blogging until I was at my first job. And um, the guys that I worked with there uh, kind of were really, you know, good about encouraging people to like get involved in that like hey you should like give a talk at a local meetup or you should start coming out to this or um we want to write blog posts for the company or whatever um or even if you just do it on your personal blog you know it's good for us whatever so i uh, just kind of like really kind of instilling the importance of like doing that stuff mm-hmm. um and then i just got into it and it was it was fun right i don't do it like super consistently i definitely have like months and months where i've never blogged anything and then sometimes i'll blog a couple times a month or whatever yeah um, But yeah it's just kind of i don't know it's 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 good it feels good to like write stuff and finish it and put it out there and like here's like a complete thought that i like put effort into like completing and like i can call that done and you get a little bit of a sense of like accomplishment from that right
2: yeah and
0: it's cool when like i i'm addicted to you know it sounds bad but like it's great to put something out there and then like have people like see it and be like man like this was so helpful or whatever yeah Um, and it's like a really good feeling to feel like you know you've shared some information that, like, helped someone else along.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: I I think the other thing that folks mm-hmm. don't always realize is, um, like, I know some brilliant people, but they just never share anything that they've learned. Um, sometimes they don't care, uh, but sometimes they're scared for whatever reason. And if you don't tell people, it's really hard for them to know who you are. It's really yeah. hard to build a reputation. It's really hard to build trust. and. You know, often, like I'm a complete jackass. So the fact that anyone pays attention to me is completely related to the fact that I just keep sharing stuff. You know, um, and so if, if a jackass like me can do it, there's people way smarter than me that could be doing it as well. And uh, I think the other thing is just once it really is easier. The more you do it, it's like that publishing that first blog post is hard, but once you've published a hundred, it's a lot easier. It's almost it's like a lot like breathing.
0: Yeah. yeah, and I would say like, I don't know, I don't really pay much attention, I guess, to like how much traffic I get to my blog or anything like that. And, uh, you know, I'll, I'll write something and I'll share it on Reddit or whatever, even though that's kind of a, a really sad place to look for feedback <laughs> on things. Um, but sharing stuff on Twitter has honestly been like, uh, just as rewarding. Like, I noticed like a buddy of mine, West Boss, um, who's done a bunch of courses and stuff, he has like a massive Twitter following like 70,000 people or something. And the the best thing I can attribute it to (laughs) is just like, he's always sharing just little things, like just a little GIF or a little screenshot with like a sentence, just saying like, here's like a little quick tip. You know what I mean? Something like super digestible. And so I've been doing that more and more. And you know, those tweets like take off, like I'll get like a hundred retweets on something that to me like seems simple. Um, but you know, a lot of other people don't know about it or or whatever, right? You kind of take, you take for granted the things that like, you know, uh, and you forget that like at one point you didn't know them and there's lots of people who still don't know it. Yeah. So just being able to share like little things like that and, you know, the sort of micro blogging format or whatever uh, has been really good for, you know, getting followers and, uh, you know, kind of building a reputation and stuff too. So,
1: yeah. And the other thing is as you get in the habit of thinking about this, like even tweets, like I'm always not like actively thinking about tweets, but passively thinking about tweets. Uh, so if something comes up, I'll be like, it, it's almost like a trigger, like, oh, you know what, that little thing would make a great tweet. And, um, you know, and that, so people ask me, like, how can, how can you always come up with ideas to of things to say? But as soon as you're kind of like somewhat focused on it, it's just always kind of going in your mind. And then, you might be working on something, like you said, and be like, oh, you know, I could screenshot this and this would probably be helpful for people. Yeah. You get a third sense for mm-hmm. what would be helpful. Totally. So, um, so how, you, mess- you mentioned Wes. Uh, is that a relationship you, you built online or is that a relationship you built offline?
0: Uh, no, online. So, like, I, I know Wes through Twitter. Um, I've only actually met him in person one time. We, like, caught up for lunch uh, maybe two months ago or something to kind of chat about some business stuff and bounce some ideas off each other. So, yeah. um I don't know. I think he probably does the, the developer uh, training product thing, like, better than, like, anyone. So, I'm always yeah. kind of watching what he does because he's been uh, really successful with it. But he's also kind of, like, doesn't do things in like the traditional way really either like not really a lot of email marketing at all um you know doesn't like really uh try and leverage the price tiers as hard as most people do yeah um so I don't, it's been interesting to kind of like um follow like his progress and find out what's working for him and what's not because the developers are kind of an interesting audience I think and that they're I feel like they're more sensitive to certain types of um, marketing and stuff than other people.
1: Yeah, because that's another question I think people ask a lot is, how do people end up building relationships with, uh, you know, now Wes is a significant figure in the development training community. And so people go, how do you get to know a guy like that? Like, how does that happen? And it sounds like for you, it was just organically, you know,
0: Yeah. I think like a lot of it comes down to just being kind of bold with initiating conversations with people. Mm -hmm. Like uh, you'd mentioned the podcast. Um, you know, I started that podcast only because I had questions for Ryan Singer and I needed an excuse to get him to talk to me. (laughs) So that's literally why I started the podcast so that I could one day email Ryan and be like, Hey, I have a podcast. Do you want to come on the podcast and talk about jobs to be done or whatever? Yeah. Um, because I couldn't just say, Hey, do you want to do an hour long Skype call? Um, that's For no reason other than for me to pick your brain about stuff,
2: yeah, and that's turned
0: out to be like awesome. Like I never started that as like a a platform to build an audience or whatever intentionally. It was literally just like an excuse to have some reason to get people to answer my questions. Yeah, Um,
1: for you, it really comes back to curiosity. Like your curiosity is what drives forward. (laughs) Drives. Yeah, that's a
0: that's a good way to put it for sure.
1: Um, We've got a few questions in the chat here. I just you had you, I had a thought in the back of my head and now I've kind of lost it um, maybe before well actually let's let's talk about this stuff now because it's probably a, a good time to bring it up uh, so Hamza Humza uh, wonders does sticking to a niche matter or can a blog have varied topics especially if they're all in tech so what's your take on that
0: I my blog has been like somewhat varied but I do sometimes feel like I'm not being smart when I post things that are totally unrelated. So I have like a vast kind of a wide sweeping array of topics I'm interested in development, right? Like I'm just as interested in like, you know, scalable CSS architectures as I am in like unit testing, the backend, right? Which are usually jobs that are done by different people at a lot of companies. Yeah. Um, so I try and stick to mostly talking about Um, things that backend developers would be interested in on my blogs, lots of testing stuff and like object oriented design stuff. Um, And I try not to branch out from that too much because I do want kind of to develop a bit of authority around a couple different topics. Mm -hmm. Um, But I don't think there's any harm. I don't think there's any reason to like, not blog about something if you have an interesting idea to share and like something that's a little bit different than what you normally talk about um, definitely do it because mm. otherwise you're just like throwing away like an opportunity to you know share some information with people and, and build your reputation a little bit more so I think it's valuable to um, develop a reputation for being like an expert in like a kind of a more focused area but I don't think that you should like not share information about other things if you have something interesting to share I don't know if that makes sense but yeah
1: yeah, and I, I think the other thing I always think about is is to observe the way that people find out about people. <laughs> so, like, imagine you're in Slack and someone goes, hey, you should check out Adam Wathen. And someone's like, okay, you know, they click on the link in Slack and they go, "What are they going to get an immediate sense of what Adam Wathan is about or are they going to be confused? Are they going to, like, and I think you can go to your site right away and you can be like, oh, okay, I get... I get his deal, you know? I yeah. think there's something helpful about that because people know right away is this for me or is it not for me? Is this going to be helpful or is it not going to be helpful? Um, yeah. yeah.
0: Anything else on that? Uh, no, I think that's kind of it. Like, I, yeah, it's valuable to focus on an area where you can kind of like build some authority. So when, so you kind of become associated with a topic. So, you know, there's a higher likelihood if someone's interested in testing, or whatever, like, if I'm a testing guy, then there's a good chance that they're going to stumble on my stuff or whatever. But uh, if I just blog about all sorts of different things, then people aren't going to find that stuff as easily. So
1: Yeah. Were, yeah. Did you ever like, because uh, <laughs> it seems one of your benefits is you focused on PHP and there's a lot of PHP developers. Like, do you think you would have done as well in terms of building an audience and products if you'd focused on like Erlang or something like that?
0: Yeah, definitely not on a language like Erlang. You're right, PHP is like a huge, huge market of people. And the other thing that's like great about PHP is that it's a very, very wide range of um, kind of skill sets and abilities. Like there's lots of senior people, there's lots of junior people, because the barrier to entry is really, really low in PHP. Um, So there's a lot more opportunity um, to teach, I think, than there is in other languages where there's like a higher barrier to entry and like the likelihood of you Already knowing this stuff is a lot higher because otherwise you you never would have found yourself writing that programming language or whatever. Yeah. Um. So I kind of stumbled onto it by accident, really. Uh, but it's definitely been, a, a, it's a, a really awesome spot to be in as far as like having an opportunity to teach people and share ideas.
1: Yeah. And that, this would probably be a good time to answer Aaron M's question, which is one thing. It's if I'm getting him right, he's saying one thing that holds him back is thinking, you know the. Everything—it's all saturated. Like everyone's already talking about everything. Everything's already been said. Um, you know, and if you think about PHP, like there's there's probably millions of PHP blog posts written every year. Uh, maybe not millions, but lots. Uh, yeah. So, what like did that ever hold you back? Feeling like ah, it's already all been talked about.
0: Uh, I don't think so because I don't think that's true. Um, for me, there's so many things that I try and learn that I can never find the canonical resource to learn it from. And when I know, when I notice that, then to me, that's an opportunity. So to me, like I'm working on this TDD course right now. And anytime someone asks me like, Hey, where, what book can I pick up to learn more about testing or what videos can I watch to learn more about testing? I was like, read this Ruby book, check out this Java presentation, whatever, because all the best information is kind of like scattered. And I can't point them at anything. That's like, this was written for you. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I think that's a good place to look for opportunities is like anytime you're learning something and you have to piece it together from other places, like that means that everyone else has to do that, too. And there's maybe a lot of people who are not going to put in that same amount of effort to kind of like look everywhere to kind of consolidate this into, you know, some information It's the same with the the refactoring book that I put out, like all that information and all those approaches i learned from ruby or elixir or other programming languages yeah and so it's it's awesome to be able to like bring those back and be like hey like i traveled across the ocean you know to this other land and i gathered all these things and i'm now i'm bringing it back for you so you don't have to go over there you know that's i feel like that's kind of been my approach and it's it's worked really well so far
1: totally that if you're if you want to get into training like writing books or creating courses or doing talks or doing workshops I think a lot of it is just being willing to put in the time to do the research, and collect it, and then present it in a way that is compelling and makes sense and helps people move forward. Um, that's really the job that you're doing for people. Is like, you go out and you be my researcher, and you collect all the information, and then you just give me the you know the thing that's going to help me get over this struggle. Um, yeah, I think that the, so. E- that's a good point because <laughs> sure, a lot of people are talking about things, but all, not a lot of people are putting real thought into how am I going to present this for an audience in a, a real, really complete way that they'll understand.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
1: Well, we're just, we're just right on. Uh, let's see if there's anything else here. I think we're good. I mean, there's a lot of chat in here, but let's get into uh, the product launch. When did you think when did you start thinking about doing products like what what was the you're you're going along, you're doing community stuff, you're doing some things when did you think, oh you know what I could do something
0: It's hard to say like I remember even when I was in the audio engineering communities more i i kind of had an idea like man, it would be kind of cool to like take my workflow and bundle it up into some training thing that I could sell to people and I just like never did it. You know what I mean?
2: Mm -hmm.
0: Um, And then with programming, like this testing course that I'm working on is actually what I wanted to do for the longest time. And it just seemed like too intimidating of a project. It just seemed like really big. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there's ever like one moment where like I decided hey I want to be like a product guy or whatever but you know I've always loved creating things and sharing them with people and the idea of like trying to make money from it sounds like pretty cool and being able to like have freedom and control over what you're doing with your day yeah um so yeah I had this idea for this testing course and then I was talking to a buddy of mine uh, about it that he actually does do training products in the audio engineering space okay and I was explaining to him like you know I just like I I don't know how I'm gonna have time to do it like it just seems like such an ambitious thing and
1: Because you were working at the time.
0: Yeah, I was working full time. So, uh, he had mentioned this idea of like a tripwire product, um, which is a term I hadn't heard before. I haven't heard that Uh, either. So, basically the idea is like you create something really small um, that you can put together, you know, in not a ton of time. That you can sell for really cheap, like $3 to $10. You know, something just tiny. Um, And for kind of two main reasons. One is just kind of like to get something done and like get some momentum going and feel like, okay, I've sold something now. I've taken someone's money. Like that's a good step in the right direction. I'm moving on to something bigger. And the other thing is that it's good for uh, building your list. Yeah. And it's a list of like real qualified people that are actually like willing to spend money on things. And someone who's given you a dollar for something is much more likely to give you $200 for something than someone who's never given you anything, right? Um, So I thought, yeah, that sounds kind of fun. Like I'll, I'll kind of like think about any ideas I have for something small that I could put together just to kind of get a quick win out there uh, and uh, I had kind of been like developing a reputation for the collection stuff that I wrote the book about which is basically just trying to like apply some functional programming ideas in PHP um, just kind of by accident because I was always tweeting about like dude look at like i was able to take this code and do this with it isn't this cool because i was excited about it yeah and people would start coming to me with questions like how would you do that with this piece of code or whatever and so i would like oh that looks fun i'll try and figure that out and i would help people um so i thought hey it would be kind of cool to put together like a just like something small like a 40 page pdf on like some of my favorite like tips and tricks for using this programming strategy and uh so i announced that in like february um February
1: 2015?
0: 2016. 2016. Okay, yeah. Uh, I think I pulled it up here so I could see. February 23rd. So I I tweeted after I put together a little simple landing page. uh, I'm writing a book, a short book on collections. Check it out if you're sick of ifs, loops, and variables was the tweet. So I went into it with this idea, I was gonna build this like 30 to 40 page thing. And then next thing I know, it was like 100 pages already and I still had a bunch of other stuff to put in it. Like I remember like having conversations with friends, like how much do you think I should charge this? Like $9, like $12, whatever. Yeah. And uh, by the time I was done, it was like a 160 page book with like four hours of accompanying screencasts. And basically it's the size of this next project But I kind of got it done because I thought it was going to be smaller. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) So then when I finally did release it, you know, I put it out like at launch, the tiers were like $29, $59, and $135. Yeah. You know, all of which are dramatically higher than like what I had gone in intending to do, which was like a under $10 tripwire product or whatever. Yeah. And uh, it just like went a million times better than I could have, have ever hoped, and it 's kind of given me the opportunity to spend more time on this product stuff so
1: yeah your your story is awesome because well, first of all, most people don 't have that kind of success <laughs> right <laughs> out of the gates, um, and you 've done very well I, I found that first tweet it 's right here, so this was back in February and it was retweeted eighty two times liked one hundred and ninety three times. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, like, again, all of your background leads up to this point. So everything you've done, everything you've invested your time in, everything you've shared, every way you've helped people kind of culminated at this point. And then you're, you know, you end up doing something that's a lot bigger than you thought you would. Yeah. Um, so And were you on a real hard schedule or were you just like working on this like evenings and weekends? Did you have a a launch date in place or were you just like, when I get it done, I'll get it done?
0: Yeah. So I went into it thinking like I could like put together this short thing in like two weeks or whatever and just put it out there. It sounds easy. And then uh, obviously that didn't happen. And then um, (laughs) I eventually announced a release date, which I think I announced like an April release date. Just to kind of light a fire under my ass and kind of like give me something to aim for. It turned out to be like way too ambitious, and I, I didn't reach it. Yeah. Then um, I announced another release date uh, shortly after that, which was uh, middle of May, uh, and just worked towards that, and you know, got it out in the 11th hour, up till two in the morning, trying to finish the landing site and everything. And uh, yeah, so I can't remember if there was more to that question. <laughs>
2: no,
1: no, that's that's exactly it. I think people are just wondering, like, if I'm working full time, how am I gonna? what does this look like? And I mean, definitely I found for myself having a deadline, like a launch date is super important. And, um, the, I've even found it better to say like, I'm going to launch, I've got, you know, 10 chapters written, I've got two more chapters planned, but I'll release those later. I want to, I want to try to hit that date as much as I can, because it it really does motivate you to
0: like get it. out. I actually had the same thing. Like it's kind of funny. It's, uh, you know, like the 37 Signals rework book yeah. or like Getting Real. Yeah, They talk about like fixing time and budget and flexing scope. Yeah. I think it totally applies to this sort of thing too. Like it's, it's just like pick a deadline and make that deadline like fixed and do whatever else you need to do. Tweak the product if you're not going to build what you want to build by that time. Yeah. But if you don't have like a deadline, then it's just going to go on forever. You need to like decide a date that you're going to release something and then just figure out what that something is as you get there
2: yeah Um, but
1: you didn't do too bad it was february march april may when did you release four months later
0: yeah four months yeah and i was working evenings and weekends not too crazy at the beginning like obviously at the beginning you're like a little more amped about it so you're kind of like uh (laughs) focusing on it more because it's more fun Uh, and then you start to kind of like it starts to feel like work yeah um so there wasn't as much effort put in in the middle but once i announced like the release date i was working you know six or seven hours a night every night for like the last kind of two weeks uh which was pretty brutal yeah but was worth it yeah ultimately so
1: well let's get into the marketing stuff now uh so as you were going along you 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 announced the book and you had a landing page up right away is that
0: yeah so uh i don't know if i can find a copy of the old landing page but it's real 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 simple it's just like a screenshot of a book cover um kind of a call to action which is the same one I've had the whole time which was never write a loop again. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. and um just kind of like a couple paragraphs kind of saying like what it's going to be and what I'm working on and then just an email sign up. Like nothing below the fold. You know what I mean? It all just kind of fits on a on a page- you know, on the screen at once. Just not a lot there, but just you- enough to kind of commit to it publicly.
1: Okay. And do you do most of your design yourself? Your 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 site and your pages look really great. Like really clean and
0: Uh, I did the original landing page myself, and then I had a friend of mine help me kind of figure out the sales page, but he just kind of helps me in his spare time for free. So he kind of gave me a skeleton, and I kind of had to work with it from there. So um, I'm not like a talented designer, but it's something that, again, I've focused on a lot and wanted to become better at. I don't think I have it in me to become good at it. I don't think it's as learnable as certain other things, Yeah, Uh, but I, I do okay. If you give me a starting point, I can kind of take it from there. It's just, I have a problem with like the blank canvas, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I did, I would say like a lot of the design was, was me, but, um, definitely had some help from a buddy to just kind of get it kind of scaffolded out. So.
1: Okay. And I think I found the original landing page. It might not yeah. be rendering properly, but this is, no, that,
0: that's it. Okay. That's pretty...
1: Oh, here we go. I'll, I'll expand my screen a bit. Um, so the, yeah, it's just Really simple, never write another loop again. Great headline. You know, people know right away what this is going to be about. If you enjoyed my screencast on here, that's good. little social proof. And then here's all of the benefits you're going to get. And then a a place to sign up with your email address. So how, how many people signed up for this?
0: I don't know exactly over time. I know by the time that I launched it, my list was about 1,500 people.
1: Nice. Okay, so what besides the list... What else were you doing along the way to, uh, you know, for marketing or promotion? Or were you like emailing little updates to people? Were you tweeting little screenshots? What were you doing along the way?
0: Yeah. So um, most of it was honestly over Twitter. Basically, anytime I was working on a chapter, if I put together like a cool example that I thought was tweetable, screenshot it, tweet it out, all those got lots of likes and retweets and stuff. Um, I ended up doing like some stupid programmer things, like that every developer does. Like, for the book, I could have just used some existing tool, but of course, I like wrote my own tool to <laughs> generate the book from Markdown. <laughs> and and the cool thing was though, like like the way I wrote the tool was like using all the principles from the book. So half the examples in the book came from building that tool and the way that I used those. Cool. So it was kind of well, cool to be able go. to say like, "Hey, I'm building this thing. It's like this super meta thing," and just like sharing those examples. I think I I released maybe it looks like only one blog post, um, in between. So April 6th. So kind of like getting closer to launch date. I I released basically one of the chapters kind of tweaked a little bit to fit better as a blog post. Nice. Um, and, uh, I emailed a couple updates out to the list, but nothing too crazy. Like maybe three updates total. And one of those was like, here's the launch date and then sorry, I missed the launch date. And then, uh, And then, as I got closer to the launch, I was emailing a little bit more because I had more stuff done, um, yeah. so I had more stuff to show. Yeah, um, and still not a lot—like three to five total emails. I could go and look, but not like what you hear people doing, which is like twice a week or whatever. Definitely nothing like that.
1: So. Yeah, I'm. I'm pretty like I don't email a lot when I'm working on it. it's hard. It is hard to like work on something and promote it all the time. The mistake I find people make though is they go into their cave and they're like they work, work work, work, and then they finally pop their head up and then they you know send out one tweet and one email and what I always say is like I've had friends launch things and I didn't hear about it, and they're my friend, so if I didn't hear about it, that means nobody knows about it uh, and you really do need especially on Twitter, Twitter's like a rushing river like you put a tweet in and it's gone um, you need to have some sort of flow reminding people, hey this thing's coming, hey remember me, hey I'm working on this thing, hey have you thought about this, etc. And it doesn't have to be a ton, but it has to be there has to be something there. Some sort of yeah. reminder that this is coming.
0: Yeah, and I would say that I did most of that work through Twitter uh, versus through email. And I don't know if that's like smart or not. I think like for me I felt less guilty about doing it on Twitter because it's like I'm not like forcing it down your throat you know what i mean yeah i'm like putting it out there so if people are like excited and following along then they can see it and it's also helpful because i have you know a lot of um friends on twitter that have much bigger audiences than me that'll retweet stuff and yeah and stuff like that so
1: yeah the nice thing about twitter is it's social like if you send an email people are likely not going to screenshot it and share it unless you're (laughs) louis ck or someone but uh yeah twitter's got this nice element where people will share and if you've got if you've made connections in the community over time, that helps uh so you said you might share some a few launch stats with us Maybe yeah. uh just <laughs> give us a picture of what like what emails did you send up leading up to launch? was it like um did you do a seven day a day before a day of kind of what what was your sequence
0: yeah, so I'm looking now so it looks like March. 21st I sent out um, an example like a sample chapter okay and then March 29th I sent out like another sample chapter so I, I dripped out like quite a bit of the content from the book I would say like I probably gave away 50 to sixty percent of the book for free Wow um, not not in a way that like someone could go back and find it now but if you were kind of on the list the whole time yeah you would have seen a lot of it um, I posted that blog post on April 7th so I tweeted the or I emailed the list to let them know about that. April yeah. 10th I sent out a launch update basically to say like hey like I screwed up and it's not actually ready. <laughs> <laughs> April 26th I sent out another free chapter and just an update on my progress I guess. I probably said then like the release time frame but I didn't give a date. Yeah. And then May 16th which was 2 days before I launched. Uh, I sent out an email saying, hey, I'm going to be launching it on Wednesday or whatever. Uh, here's one of the screencasts from the book because I hadn't given away any screencasts yet. Yeah, And that was the last one I sent out until I sent out the It's Out email on the 18th. so
1: Launch day. Cool. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> tell me a little bit. Were you worried? Were you nervous? Were you like, yeah, what were you your expectations?
0: So the night before when I was like working on the sales page... I was, like, so stressed to the point where, like, I don't even understand this now, but, like, I was second-guessing everything about it. I was, like, is this even good? Like, is this whole thing even trash? Like, do I even want to release this? (laughs) You know, like, because you're just, like, oh, man, I'm going to be taking people's money. People are going to pay for this. Like, are people even going to like this? Uh, Just, like, total imposter syndrome. Uh, But I was talking to a buddy of mine at the time, and he was kind of telling me, like, you're an idiot. Like, just release the stupid thing. Yeah. So, um. Yeah. So I was up till two in the morning. I basically had no landing page until the day before kind of think, Oh, it's just like a one HTML page. That'll be easy. Of course. Like it took me like 10 hours to do. <laughs> um, so got that done and out at two in the morning and uh, I didn't tell anyone. I actually, I told a couple people, you know, that are friends of mine that were online when I was working on it. Okay. It's up. I'm done. I'm going to bed. Yeah. Uh, couldn't sleep barely of course. <clears throat> Uh, I woke up to let's see. I had made fourteen sales overnight. Wow, uh, even though I had not told anyone that it was even out, um because I guess some people knew that that was the launch date and maybe they just checked. Uh, so that was kind of cool to wake up to it was seven hundred and fifty two dollars. So I was like nudging my fiance now wife like i made 752 dollars while we we're sleeping this is like so cool i can't <laughs> even believe this holy crap um, and then i uh i sent out the launch email at like quarter after seven i think uh, in the morning and tweeted it out at like a uh, quarter to nine so just from like the email before i had uh tweeted it it looks like i had done 81 sales okay So that was between the time I went to sleep and the time I tweeted where I had sent out the mailing list thing uh, in between there. So that was $5,200, which is pretty awesome. Yeah. And uh, then I tweeted it out. And, you know, by nine o'clock, I had 109 sales and seven grand. By 930, I had 133 sales and almost nine grand. Uh, By lunchtime, I had 225 sales and $15,000 in revenue. And this was like mostly, so I had three tiers, like a $29, a $59, and $135. And the expensive one performed like really, really, really well. Yeah. It actually was like outselling the cheapest tier in terms of quantity for quite a bit during the launch. Um, So I don't know what that says. Maybe it was either too cheap or I was... Yeah, I, I don't know what it says, yeah. but it's was interesting. That's interesting uh, for marketing. The middle tier sold the most in terms of quantity. Wow, um, by like a vast amount, like double uh, the other two tiers. Wow,
1: for marketing for developers, it was um, it was uh, half and half, half. Of well, my sales came from, well, half of the revenue came from the $39 tier, mm-hmm. and half of my revenue came from 195 tier, and the middle tier sold very little. So Interesting. So, it kind of anchored people on either side, yeah. but, so, but yeah, you, so you, you were the reverse. I think
0: mine did the opposite. Like, the more expensive one kind of made the middle one seem more affordable, and the cheapest one kind of made the middle one seem like a better deal, I guess, because the, the, it was only 20 or $30 between the low tiers. um. And I guess people aren't as sensitive to that sort of pricing as maybe you would think. I think the other key thing, like, obviously, like, the pricing tier stuff is, like, so crucial. Yeah. Uh, I remember following all Nathan's stuff, Nathan Barry's stuff, and he was always talking about, like, if you know another way to just, like, magically make triple the revenue, I'd love to hear it. But this is the best I have so far. Yeah. And it's magical because, like, there's kind of a – everyone kind of expects to pay a certain amount for a book. But if you put other stuff with it, all of a sudden you can charge – whatever you want to charge and there's, you know, it, people aren't going to compare it as much to existing stuff. Yeah. Uh, so it's awesome to be able to charge, to have people pay $135 and felt like they get awesome value. Um, You know, when they're not getting that much more, uh, like they could learn the same stuff from what they were paying, you know, $29 for. There's some extras and bonuses and stuff, but yeah. you know, it's nice to be able to see, see people pay that and feel like they still got their money's worth. Yeah. Um, yeah. So by the end of the day I had done, 403 sales, uh, $28,299. And I did like a three-day launch. So um, I had, it was 25% off for the first three days. Yeah. So by the end of the third day, I had sold 901 copies for $61,454
1: US. (laughs) (laughs) That is an incredible (laughs) launch. Um,
0: And how are you feeling? Like, Uh, I mean I was losing my mind like to me that's still the best day of my life like (laughs) I got married the next week and and like I still have never like felt so I don't know it's just like such an amazing feeling to feel like you've created something that like people want to pay money for and people are happy to pay money for and they're so happy with like what they got
2: yeah
0: it's just a really awesome feeling and uh yeah it was really cool
1: yeah that's awesome that's awesome. I, I want to just like pause here uh, because I want to uh, go back to that feeling of, um, of anxiety and like, you know, working hard. And the truth is, um, sometimes your first launch, and this wasn't really your first launch, you'd done other things in the audio community and et cetera, but sometimes your first launch it goes gangbusters like this and it's amazing. The reverse can also be true. You can go through all that anxiety you can launch and it might not meet your expectations. And I know that there's some people listening here that they've either gone through that or that's their biggest fear. And one thing I want to say is it's okay if, if your first launch doesn't kind of meet what you wanted it to or whatever. That whole point is you want to keep working, keep trying, keep going and the just to remember that, you know, Adam or myself, everybody I know, my friend Paul Jarvis, everybody before launch is worried that it's not going to go well. So we all have that anxiety and we're worried because there is always a chance that it's not going to go well. That's just, that's how it works, right? Sometimes you, you make something people want and you really connect with the need and it works and sometimes it doesn't. But yeah, uh, Your story is awesome because it's very clear of, there's a few things. One, you've got a huge potential audience, PHP developers that want to level up. That's like, and even the way you said it, like it's easy to get started in PHP. And, but eventually that might lead to, man, I've got all these holes in my knowledge. Like, I don't know about testing. I don't know about object oriented programming. Do you know Carl Alexander, by the way?
0: No name isn't familiar. Interesting, because
1: he does a lot of object-oriented PHP in the, uh, mostly in the WordPress community. But okay, um, yeah. So you 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 had all of these great things in place, and all of those things matter. Like the audience you choose. Like if you had cho- chosen refactoring for Erlang, it yeah. It's very possible you would have sold you know maybe a couple thousand no, like, dollars. <laughs> yeah. If you're lucky, I don't know. <laughs> So all of those things matter. And um, that's why sometimes you choose your first thing and it's like, ah, man, like that just didn't hit the mark. What wasn't right? Market size. um, Maybe I haven't built up a good reputation. Um, Maybe people don't trust me yet. Uh, Maybe, you know, all of these kind of factors Mm -hmm. that you can go through. But you kind of aligned all of those perfectly for this one.
0: Yeah. It it kind of scares me because... It makes me worried that, like, should I expect the next one to go as well? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because my expectations for this were a lot more humble. Like, I was, I was going to be really happy if it made me like twenty grand over six months. Yeah, uh, and it made me triple that in the first three days. Yeah, um, you know, it, it made me more than like my salary at my job within like the first two weeks. Yeah. So it was kind of crazy. Um, yeah. But
1: yeah, and that anxiety is kind of what makes us creative people. Like that's what, that's part of, that's the disadvantage of making products is that you're always going to be thinking, what am I going to do for the next one? What am I going to do for the next one? And uh, that's, I think one of my most popular blog posts on Medium is called Focus on Your Own Shit. And it's like, I have to remind myself of this all the time of like, um, you know, I can't look at other people and what they're doing. I can't look at other people's success and what they've got. I can't look at my competition. The only thing I need to focus on is who am I trying to help and how can I best help them? That's that's all that matters. And um, I've, I've found that helpful in removing the stress. Going back to, I keep an encouragement folder in Gmail. Just people that found value in my course or whatever. And whenever I'm feeling like shitty, like you know, "Ah oh, man, like this didn't work," or whatever, I'll go back to that folder and I'll be like, "These are the only people that matter. I'm just going to try to help them today with this neck launch. It takes the focus off of you uh, and your whatever hang-ups, and it also takes the focus off any other distractions like what's whatever, what's Nathan Barry doing? what's this guy doing with it just like Forget about it, I'm just going to focus on people. But it is always anxiety, there's always anxiety, like, ah, like, is this going to work or not? Or, you know, like, it's always scary. Uh, And and part of that also is to keep growing, you have to keep trying things that make you uncomfortable. So for this last relaunch of Marketing for Developers, I went from three tiers to one, because I just wanted another, uh, how do we say it in Canada, data point. (laughs) I wanted another data point. Yeah. Do they say data? <laughs> data? What do they say in the states? <laughs> data,
0: point? Do you, you, data point.
1: How do you? I would say data point. How do you say data point? How do you say JavaScript?
0: I say JavaScript.
1: You say JavaScript like me. You don't say job. Uh, do you say Java? No, I say JavaScript. I okay. say JavaScript. Yeah, the Americans think that's hilarious. I don't. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so I want to get into in our last few minutes. I want to talk a little bit about you quitting your job. A little bit about what you're doing next, but I'll uh, I'll write I'll write I'll write in the chat. Wants uh, to understand talk about our tooling, uh, and I'm guessing he says what Justin uses versus what Adam uses. I think he's talking about like uh, for email First, newsletters sure. for all that stuff. Yeah. So why don't you talk about what you use? What's kind of your 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 uh, your pro- your product <laughs> stack? Yeah.
0: Sure. So. um I'm trying to think of everything involved. So like my landing page, uh, I didn't use like lead pages or, or anything like that. Just kind of whipped up an HTML thing. Um, and for email marketing, I use ConvertKit. convert kit. Again, honestly, like for me, I was trying to decide between like drip and convert kit. Those are kind of the two, I think like, things you hear the most about in that kind of like email automation space yeah but i had just like gotten so much value from everything that nathan has put out there like his authority book and his podcast and all that stuff that i felt like i have to give this guy my money yeah <laughs> so i, I use convert kit uh, and i'm very happy with that again i don't really leverage it as hard as probably a lot of people do in some months it's kind of like oh i paid 150 dollars and didn't even send an email this month <laughs> um but it's fine it's totally worth it uh For the actual selling of the product, I use Gumroad. Um, I still haven't really seen anything that uh, offers as nice of an experience for the customer than that for something that's just like a digital download. Yeah. Um, So at first, this is at first I had it set up so with Gumroad you can either have like open a modal or like go to like the actual product page on Gumroad.
2: Yeah.
0: Uh, So for for the launch, it was just going to the Gumroad page. didn't seem to affect anything yeah. i use the modal now but uh whatever mm-hmm. really yeah. awesome platform um like the the competitor for gumroad for me was a cycle lean pub yeah and it's mostly developers selling books and stuff on there i think you can attach files and stuff other than books now like videos and stuff um but they have like a 10 uh fee whereas gumroad was like three and a half if i was paying for their monthly thing yeah and lean yeah. pub does like monthly payouts or Gumroad does weekly payouts. And so uh, it seemed like the right choice. Although I haven't really seen any other people in my space really selling stuff through Gumroad yet. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, Gumroad was fine. Uh, I can't think of other, other stuff I might've used. Um, is there any other categories that you can think of where I would have a tool?
1: Um, no, I think that's pretty much it. Uh, I mean, like,
0: generating the book. I wrote the book in Markdown. Oh, and yeah.
1: The, you wrote your own I, tool.
0: <laughs> I wrote my own tool to um, to spit out the PDF. For screencasts, I do, like,
1: you used...
0: Um... I used QuickTime, actually, just the free QuickTime okay. that comes with your Mac. Uh, and then I edited it in Reaper, which is the tool I use for editing the podcasts. I didn't do anything fancy. Like, it was literally just, like, trimming and cutting sections out if I had to do a section twice or whatever. Yeah. So nothing... Fancy at all? I'm using ScreenFlow now because um, I find it actually does better screen capture quality than QuickTime was doing. Yep. Um, but I think QuickTime is actually real really underrated for that sort of thing yes. for just like a free quick option,
1: especially if you're getting started. Uh, yeah. yeah. My stack is very similar. Uh, ConvertKit for newsletters, almost always HTML landing pages. Um, what else? Uh, and for HTML landing pages now, I often just use GitHub pages. It's like super, it's free and it's super fast.
0: Yeah, that's what I used too. Uh,
1: what else? Uh, for, the new, for the new relaunch of Marketing for Developers, I switched everything to WordPress because I want to be blogging more under that brand. And I've got some tricks for like helping that page get more authority. I sold the first version of Marketing for Developers on Gumroad. And I've just recently switched to Coach for um, courses and they're adding digital products. And I think I'm going to put it all under coach, just have it all under one place. Um, yeah. My newsletters through convert I think I've covered and, and for creating screencasts, I use ScreenFlow. Uh, if you're on a Mac, if you're on a PC, I don't know what people, a Camtasia I think is what Camtasia is like, the one I
0: hear about. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Uh, the only other thing I think is uh, you've got a pretty good microphone and yeah. that, that, uh, the microphone I always recommend to people if they just want a good dynamic mic is the ATR2100. It's like under 100 bucks if you're Canadian even, and um, that's a good one if you just want something really close and you just have a pop filter on it, and then the sound is really great. Yeah. Cool. Anything else we should talk about in terms of tools? Oh, I, for writing my book, I, use, I started with Pressbooks.com. And for my last book, Jolt, I wrote it all in Readsy.com. And of everything I've tried, it has the best uh, export to Mobi, PDF, and EPUB all at the same time. Sorry, uh, PDF and EPUB, and then you bring the EPUB into Calibre, and then you can get it all out.
0: Yeah. Did you so do I all first- those versions? No, I did PDF only. Okay. Um, the reason I did that is... I saw Jared Drysdale did it with bootstrapping design. Yeah. And I thought, fuck it. So <laughs> <laughs> um, it was going to be way easier. And I just couldn't see anyone like deciding, Oh, I would have bought that, but there's no EPUB version. Yeah. And I had maybe four people total ask me like, is there going to be an EPUB version? Yeah. And um, I still would like to like look into it, but I didn't want it to hold me back from launching. I also kind of thought, well, It's kind of nice to have new things to talk about with the product. So if I can release it PDF only, like, I almost feel like I would do it intentionally for the next product to be able to do EPUB a month later and be like, hey, I just launched the EPUB version of this. It's just another excuse to kind of talk about your product, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally.
1: And going back to what you said before, fixed deadline, but different, like, scope can change, right? So. Yeah, I think I think that's important. Like, you don't want anything to hold you back. So, if you can't afford ScreenFlow, just use QuickTime. If you can't figure out like the uh, outputting to EPUB and Mobi is the worst. It's the worst. And so, if you don't want to deal with it now, just do PDF.
0: I can say like the other reason I didn't do that is um, so I almost used like LeanPub has like an online tool for generating all that stuff. There's tons of different options. The reason I wrote my own tool was because um. I cared way too much about like how the product looked. And um, something I really wanted to do that I'd never seen done in a programming book before was have code samples, but I wanted to be able to kind of like point out the parts in that code sample that I was talking about, but still show it all in context. Yeah. Um, So everything else I'd seen would do like syntax highlighting for the full code block. But if it was only like the two lines down here that I wanted people to focus on, there was no way for me to do it. Yeah. So I like, I wrote my own, kind of flavor of markdown that lets me put an asterisk in front of the lines of code that I want to be highlighted. Yeah. And then it'll gray out all the other lines of code, but leave those ones syntax highlighted. Oh, cool. Um, And I don't think EPUB or Mobi will even, like, let me do that properly. No. So, I mean, I could probably just release it without that, but I worry that there's times in the book where, like, I specifically say, look at the two lines of highlighted code in this sample. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, So... Yeah, I don't know, too much work for, for it really. But I, I did get a bunch of compliments about like how good it looked for a programming book, so I felt validated.
1: <laughs> well, and I think that's another thing is there's this, this hard balance between um, doing things that are just truly exceptional and kind of conform to the taste you have in your head and, and shipping. <laughs> and, and so there, those yeah. two parts are always fighting. You don't want to put something out that's sloppy – But you don't want to put something out that's so perfect because you you, never put it out. You never put it out. (laughs) So you you want to be in there. But the things like that that are unique, um, kind of unique um, positives to your product, people do take notice of those. And it's another way talking about, you know, all the noise out there and how to get noticed. It's another way to get noticed. It's like I've never seen anyone do that with a book, right? Cool. Uh, someone's asking about our IDEs, but it doesn't really matter. I use Adam. What do you use? I use Sublime. Okay, so there you go. Um, let's talk about you deciding to quit your job. How, how old are you right now?
0: I'm 29.
1: 29. You just got married. You have a mortgage. You, got, you have a dog, right?
0: I do have a dog.
1: And so... You've just had this big launch. Was that enough for you to think, you know what, I could quit my job? Or was there some anxiety around that decision?
0: Uh, there's a little bit of anxiety around it. Um, my wife obviously was worried about it more than me because she doesn't have control over is the next product going to get done or be successful, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you have confidence in yourself. So it's easy to say, trust me, like I can put something else out and you know, we're going to be fine, whatever. <laughs> she probably
1: um, also doesn't read Nathan Barry every day. And sure.
0: Everyone... <laughs> yeah. I, th- I think that it doesn't it doesn't take a lot to, to almost like become brainwashed almost pretty fast by like reading all this like entrepreneur and stuff about how like yeah. it's almost like irresponsible to like have a job if you can like make money for yourself. <laughs> you, know I mean? you know what I mean? So yeah. um, uh, for me, I didn't really like release the book with that as a goal. Um, the book came out. It did like extraordinarily well. And I thought, you know, if I just keep working i'm this money is just gonna kind of slowly probably trickle away and it's gonna be like i never made it like maybe we'll like do some renovations or we'll build a deck or we'll go on a trip or it just it felt like i wouldn't have like anything to show for it you know what i mean like i just wouldn't have done anything smart with it it would just like slowly like vanished i feel like yeah um so i thought like am i ever ever gonna get an opportunity to try and work for myself like this, like ever again, you know what I mean? Like I have enough money in the bank to pay myself the same salary I made at my job for the next year. Yeah. When is that ever going to happen? So if it's something that I wanted to try, it seems like, you know, when else am I going to get the chance to try it? And, you know, fortunately I'm like a computer programmer, good reputation. So it's not like, I'm gonna quit my job and then not gonna be able to find another job. Like other people maybe have to weigh that a little bit more, but yeah, in this industry, you know, it's it's not that hard to pick something up if you have to.
2: Yeah. Um,
0: um so it seemed like, man, this is my chance to to do that. So let's give it a go.
1: All right. Beauty. That was a great conversation with Adam. Uh, You can go check out his site, adamwavin.me. And like I said, at the top of the episode, go to megamaker.co slash coupon, get $50 off my new course, Marketing for Developers. And by the way, that's my other show, megamaker.co. If you're not listening, go check it out. Cool. Talk to you guys next time. podcast hosting is provided by Transistor.fm. They host our MP3 files, generate our RSS feed, provide us with analytics, and help us distribute the show to Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and more. If you want to start your own podcast or you want to switch to Transistor, go to Transistor.fm Justin and get 15% off your first
2: year.